Man, I want to thank Brother Tamba Giles for blessing us on today. Uh, when we talk about love, I, I think we do God a disservice when we sing and use phrases like falling in love with Jesus because there's a sense that you can fall out of love with him. And we fail to understand that the love that we are to have for God, the love that he has for us, the love that Jesus has for the Father, the love that Jesus has for us is not based on feelings. It's, it's an act of our will. And our love for God should be as unconditional as his love for us. I mean, think about that for a moment. Our, our love for God in so many instances is conditional. It's, we, we love him more when he blesses us more. Uh, as my late pastor would say, uh, we love a giving God. We really love a giving God. But the test of our spirituality is do we really love a taking God? The Lord gave. We love that Lord. But the Lord has taken away. That's where our love is going to be challenged. Thank you, Tamba, for blessing us on today. Now, this message today uh, promises to be a blessing to you. And let me tell you why. I've been wrestling with some things, struggling with some things over the last month, two months now. Uh, several deaths that really hit me hard, people close to me. Uh, deaths that have shaken me to, to recognize how fragile life is. Uh, some trials and tribulations that are going on that the enemy is using to try to uh, dissuade me, uh, depress me, distract me. And one of the things that God reminded me of as I was reading and doing uh, my devotionals on one day is that knowing God in a real way only takes place on the other side of experiences that most people, when they talk about knowing God, it is an intellectual head knowledge, but it's not the result of a heart change that's come about because an experience showed us a side of God that we did not know before. I hope and pray you're ready for today's message. Matter of fact, let me stop talking. Let's get right to it. Father, we bless you and thank you for this day. We pray now, God, that you will bless and anoint your word afresh and anew. Use your servant, God, as only you can, that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified, and that the devil might be horrified. We pray now, God, that great seed would find good soil in our hearts and bring forth a great harvest of fruit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you, have you ever thought you knew somebody really well only to have something happen that just shocked you and showed you a side of them that you never expected to see? Now, now it's amazing because when we see people, for example, on television or on movie screens, when we see them in commercials, we, we actually start acting like we know them. 
And then when something comes out, when something is revealed, when, when they may be accused of a heinous act or crime or something, we, we, we first say, well, I can't believe that. But, but it doesn't have to be somebody famous. I mean, listen, you see it all the time. For example, on the news, something heinous happens in a home. Uh, there's abuse, there's, there's murder, there's mayhem. Something happens, and inevitably, they interview the neighbor who is least dressed and prepared to be interviewed, right? And that person gets on there and they say, hey, wait, wait, what do you think about your neighbor? What do you think about what happened? They're like, man, listen, this is the best guy I know. I mean, he's a really good guy. I just spoke to him every day. Saw him out there cutting his grass. I say, hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, man, Bob, how you doing? I can't believe something like that would happen. Because here's the truth of the matter. We really don't know people as well as we think we do. If I ask you the question, who really knows you? I mean, really knows you. Like for real. Like knows everything and still speaks to you. <laughs> right? Who really knows you? Many of us would struggle to answer that question. But can you imagine living with somebody? and not really knowing them? Can you imagine being married to somebody in a home with them, sharing a bed with them, sharing a family with them, and not knowing them for real? Like something coming up and you saying, oh my God, like why didn't you tell me? I didn't see this coming. But what's even worse than that is somebody being in the church and not really knowing God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, man, I'm so glad that's not me because I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, been running for my life, got Jesus on my mind. You know, you, you know all of the cliches, but I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that there are far too many of us who are here in the church, come here as often as we do, dress as nice as we do, cleaning up as well as we do, and we still don't know God. Because knowing God is more than an intellectual exercise. Knowing God is more than just the books you read or the Bible you study. Knowing God is rooted in you experiencing God for yourself. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought how to really know God for yourself. How to really know God for yourself. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the usher will get one to you. Uh, the book of Philippians has as its overarching theme the idea of joy. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, that great Christian author, uh, titles the exposition of the book of Philippians, Be Joyful. And what's amazing about this joy that Paul articulates in the book of Philippians is this joy 
is independent of situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. So when he talks about joy, there's a distinction biblically between what we would consider joy and what others would call happiness. Because the joy that we have, listen to me carefully, is not rooted in or dependent upon what's going on around us, but it is rooted in the one who lives inside of us. Understanding that our joy is rooted in the provisions of God for us to know Jesus as our Savior on earth and to live with him in eternity in glory. And it's that backdrop that sets the scene for us in chapter 3 and this idea of knowing God for yourself. But not just knowing God, really knowing God. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, to really know God, you must make the decision to know the Lord for yourself. You must make the decision to know the Lord for yourself. I want you to circle that word decision if you can. Because many times what we fail to understand in life is wherever we are in life is the sum total of the decisions we have made in our yesterday. Where you are today is based on the decisions that you made in the amalgamation of your yesterdays, which means what? If I want to end up someplace different in my tomorrow, I better change the way I make decisions today. Because if I keep making the same decisions the same way, I'm going to end up in the same place. Watch what Paul says. Verse 8, Philippians chapter 3. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That famous martyr missionary, Jim Elliott, lost his life going to the jungles of the Amazon to share the gospel with indigenous people there. And he is famous for saying this phrase, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He was willing to give his life on earth in essence to gain eternal life in glory. Uh, Paul is experiencing this same kind of giving up of his life. Uh, he lost his religion. His, he lost his reputation. But in the midst of losing his religion, in the midst of losing his reputation, uh, Paul gained a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he made a decision. He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, uh, this word here for know is similar to the word that's used later on, but there seems to be just a little different tweak or emphasis. Um, there, there is this salvific knowledge that Paul has 
of Jesus Christ. You remember Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus when, when Paul had been persecuting the early church and he comes face to face with the resurrected Lord and the Lord knocks him down off of his beast and, and, and challenges him to, to change his life. And Paul, in this monumental, uh, miraculous moment with the Lord, says yes to Jesus. Most of us didn't come to the Lord with such fanfare. Most of us did not have this miraculous, wonder-working moment where, where the Lord knocked us off of our beast, knocked us off of our bicycle, knocked us out of our cars. But somebody can testify that the Lord did have to knock you down to get your attention. Come on, somebody in here, you can testify to the fact that maybe the Lord didn't knock you off of a literal horse, but he knocked you off your high horse. Um, I, I can remember even in my own life running from my calling, running from my calling. I was, I was set to be a corporate lawyer and, and, and man, I'm running from my calling and I remember my father saying to me, son, you can run all you want, but you can't outrun God. This, this word has to do with a, an intellectual knowledge that Paul has through accepting Jesus Christ. And, 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 and Paul knows the Lord now in a different way. Watch this. He had historical knowledge about who Jesus was, but now he has a personal experience with God knowing him as Savior. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. There are far too many people who have a knowledge about the Lord but don't know him in a personal way. Some of you in here right now under the sound of my voice, you have read about God, you've heard about God, but do you really know him? Uh, one of the moving moments at the 40th anniversary of my friend and my brother Bishop Keith Reed, we were there sharing and at the banquet, the officers came to make a presentation to their pastor thanking him for his years of service. And one of the brothers in, in the midst of making the presentation said to him, said, Pastor, said, I want to thank you because when you came here as a young man, he came as the interim pastor, he was 24 years old, came the interim pastor a couple years before that. He said, I had been a part of this church for 21 years sat in the pews for 21 years and it wasn't until you came to this church that I found out I needed to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. 21 years this man sat in the church 21 years he was respectable this man was looked up to but he didn't know the Lord he knew about him but he didn't know him. Watch what Paul says. Go to verse 9. He says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, you got to understand, Paul was an expert in righteousness, in self-righteousness, in work righteousness, but he never understood 
imputed righteousness. Somebody said, what do you mean imputed righteousness? It was, it was the righteousness that was gathered by Jesus in the sacrifice on the cross that would be imputed upon Paul when Paul accepted Christ as his savior. Can I help somebody in here right now? Your self-righteousness is no good in the sight of God. Come on, the Bible says all of our righteousness, self-righteousness, work righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. The only righteousness that matters to God is the righteousness that comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Paul looked at his own record and discovered he was spiritually bankrupt. And so he made a decision to know the Lord. Second Corinthians 5.21, let's read it together if you will. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, can I tell you something? Man, that sounds good intellectually, but here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is too many of you under the sound of my voice are still trying to make it by your own righteousness. And the reason I know it's by your own righteousness is because when you live according to your own righteousness, listen carefully, you have trouble granting God's forgiveness. Let me put a cord in the meter and park there for a second because I just messed somebody up. When, when you are busy trying to live out of your righteousness, and you expect others around you to live out of your righteousness, you have a problem giving God's forgiveness. There's somebody in here right now under the sound of my voice. You've had an opportunity to show God's love in the midst of a difficult situation, but you have flunked the test because instead of sharing God's love, you have shared your self-righteousness. You, you have been offended because your self-righteousness has been violated even though the grace of God is still available. You don't have to say amen, I know I'm right. And the reason I know I'm right because y'all are so quiet. Paul gave up his religion and his self-righteousness to receive God's righteousness and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship with Jesus Christ has to guide us in what we do and what we say. Here's the second thing, and then I'm going to take my seat. Number two, to really know God, you need to realize your knowledge of the Lord only becomes a reality on the other side of your experiences. To really know God, you need to realize your knowledge of the Lord only becomes a reality on the other side of your experiences. Verse 10, Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. 
Now, this is, this is a very, very popular verse in the book of Philippians. In the New Testament, this is a, a verse that is many times memorized that, by people, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Here's the problem. We don't understand that when we memorize it and we testify to it, that it positions us to have to experience some things in order for this verse to be validated in our lives. See, this, this idea of know here is, is more than just intellectual knowledge. It's, it's more than just an ascent or an acquiring. This, this idea, this this, this this subtle shift in this word now speaks to uh, a reality that comes about because of an experience. In, in Mark chapter 5, verse 29, uh, the text says, and, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That, that word felt there in the original language is, is the same word for no, gnosko. This is the woman with the issue of blood. Some of you who are Bible readers, you remember the story. This, this woman had been sick for 12 years. For 12 years, she, she suffered from, from a, a, an unstoppable hemorrhaging. And, and the Bible says that, that she found and heard that Jesus was in, in, in the vicinity. She went, pressed through the crowd, reached up, touched the hem of his garment, and the Bible says immediately... The issue of blood stopped. Lord have mercy. Watch this. She touched them. The issue of blood stopped. And the text says she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Y'all still don't get it. She felt it. And her feeling it caused her to know it. Listen, there's a whole lot of us who want to know but don't want to feel in order to know. You know he's a doctor. You just don't want to get sick and have the diagnosis be something like there's nothing else we can do. And the prognosis be, you're in God's hands. And then on the other side of God healing you, guess what you can testify to? He's a healer. Here's the tragedy in life. Most of our testimonies are caught cliches from somebody else's experiences. Paul says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Watch, watch this, that, that word for power is that word dunamis, right? That speaks to the miraculous wonder-working power that can only come from God. When the word talks about the power of his resurrection, the ability to stand up again, to be resurrected from the dead, to bring life where there once was death, 
He says, I need to know him. But guess what? I can't know the power of his resurrection until I find myself in a dead situation. I, I may not be helping you. I'm helping me today. I'm telling you. See, see, when the situation is dead, that's when you can know that he has resurrection power. Can, can you imagine if when Lazarus was dead, you remember they sent word to Jesus when he was sick. He tarries three days and Lazarus dies. Can you imagine Martha and Mary if they sent word to Jesus and said, listen, don't even bother. He's already dead. They almost were that bad because when Jesus got there, they said, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. So in essence, what they said to him was, you wasted a trip. And Jesus said, do you believe in the resurrection? They said, yeah, we believe in the resurrection in the by and by. But you're too late in the here and now. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Let me give you one more experience. It's right here in the text. Philippians chapter 3, watch what it says. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That word sufferings speaks to hardship, speaks to pain. Uh, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional, but it's always out of your control. It's in the passive voice. It's something that you go through that, that you would much rather avoid if you could, but there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to stand there, sit there, lie there, and take it. Paul says, Paul says, and may share his sufferings. You know, we love to sing songs like walk around heaven all day. When I get to heaven, we're going to sing and shout. But we don't talk about walking around earth all day suffering for Jesus. We don't talk about being persecuted for the Lord. See, to know Christ, to really know him, is to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Most of us are willing to share the blessings of Jesus, but we don't want to have anything to do with the sufferings of Jesus. And, 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 let's, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. There's nothing pleasant about suffering. There's nothing pleasant about suffering pain that you do not deserve. There's nothing pleasant about suffering discomfort that you did not bring about. There's nothing pleasant about suffering for something that you didn't do. But, 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 but Paul says he wanted to know the fellowship of the Lord's suffering. Let me, let me share this with you. If, if you. if you're really going to know him, if you're really going to live for him, you're going to suffer some persecution. 
Okay, look at John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Everybody say peace. He says you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Wait a minute, hold on, Jesus. Wait a minute, you just said that I may have peace. Jesus said, yes, I have come that you may have peace. And in this world you're going to have tribulation. Because the presence of Tribulation does not mean the absence of peace. Look here, somebody, this is worth the trip right here. Hold on, I got you right here. I got you right here. Peace does not necessitate the absence of tribulation or trouble. As a matter of fact, peace does its best work in the midst of tribulation and trouble. Because my peace is not rooted in what I'm going through. My peace is rooted in the one who's taking me through. And I've got to know that every situation, every circumstance, every suffering moment is being orchestrated by God. Watch this. He may not be in charge of the thermometer, but he is in charge of the thermostat. And don't make the mistake of saying God will never put more on me than I can bear. That's not true. That is a lie. God will put more on you than you can bear, but he'll never put more on you than you and he can bear together. Somebody in here, you've been trying to bear up under things by yourself. And God says you got to learn how to trust me. Lean and depend on me in the midst of what you are going through. Somebody said, wait a minute, why why would we have to go through persecution? It's real simple. See, people want to live their lives like they want to instead of living like God commands. You trying to live a life that's pleasing to God makes them look bad for living a life that's pleasing to them. The more like Jesus you try to be, the more the folk who don't really want to be like Jesus get mad at your example. They they want to live in a way that pleases their desires and their flesh instead of living to please God. That's why we've got to learn how to strengthen and encourage one another in the midst of what we're going through. Come on, read Acts 14, 22 with me, if you will. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. You sound so good. Come on, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. 
Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. I've learned in life, the closer you get to God, the more you're going to have to suffer. If you're living your Christian life and the devil's not bothering you, that's because you're not bothering him. But when life is being changed by your witness. When lives are being changed by your testimony. When lives are being changed by your actions and your activities. You can expect out of nowhere trouble to find you. But it's on the other side of your experience that you get to the place where you really know who God is. Let me just close by, by giving you some examples. When you go down through the Old Testament and you see the compound names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu. You, you can just go down the list. Watch this. Every time God revealed himself. It was on the other side of an experience. In other words, they had to trust God in the midst of a difficulty to learn something new about God. Uh, Abraham got a command to go kill Isaac. And the Bible says that Isaac went with his father. They're going up to Mount Moriah. And he has a command from God to sacrifice his son. This is not just any son. This is the son of promise. This is the son he waited 25 years for. This is the son who wasn't born until he was 100 years old. And he's commanded to take his son and sacrifice him. Now watch this. Somebody said, why would God ask him to do something like that? Well, you've got to understand the context to properly appreciate the content. In that day, in that area, pagan gods were being worshipped. And people would sacrifice their children to please these pagan gods. And here is God demanding that Abraham sacrifice his son of promise. Because it's as if God is saying to Abraham, I want to see if you're willing to give to me as much as these pagan idol worshipers are willing to give to their God. If they would give their son to a know-nothing God, would you be willing to trust me with your son? 
Abraham goes up to the mountain. You remember the story. Isaac says, God, we got, Father, we got the wood. We, we, we got the fire, but, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says to him, God will provide. But wait a minute. They get up and, 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 and Isaac is on the altar. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Isaac, I would be looking right now. Saying, uh, Father, where is the sacrifice? Because I don't see anything. But here's Abraham saying, we will trust God. He takes the blade in his hand. Come on, God, you got to come through now. He raises the blade above his head. Come on, God, you got to come through now. He's about to lower the blade into his child. But then he hears the voice from God saying, stop, I'm convinced. You trust me enough. Look over in the bush. There's a ram in the bush. Have I got a witness here? Somebody needs to know that God will show you who he is so you can know him the best on the other side of an experience. You had to get sick to find out he's a healer. You had to be in tough times to find out he's a way maker. You had to be down to find out he can pick you up and turn you around. Yes! Anybody know God and you know him better? you go through something it's on the other side of tough times that you can stand and testify he's able yes yes do you really know him have you really tried him did he come through for you? Did he make a way for you? Did he keep you in your right mind when you could have lost your mind? If God has been good and God has been kind and if God has kept you, can you say yes? Can you say yes? Yes! Do you know him or do you really know him? Come on, don't tell somebody else's story. Don't tell somebody else's testimony. Don't talk about what grandmama said and what grand. No, do you know him for yourself? Yes! Know some of y'all looking and saying, Pastor, I ain't never heard that before. He doesn't take all of that, but but you don't know like I know the good news when you know that God can 
and God will. You may have to go through some things, but on the other side of going through, God has a testimony for you. Have I got a witness in here? Anybody been through the storm and rain? But you can testify that God is all you need him to be when you need him to be there. Anybody needed God to show up and you can testify that he's an all-time God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Thank you, God. Abraham didn't find out he could be a provider until he needed a provision. Children of Israel couldn't couldn't testify that he was a healer until the waters of Mara needed healing. Ishmael and his mama, they couldn't testify that, that God sees until they needed God to see him and to show up on their behalf. Maybe somebody today, maybe what you're going through privately, personally, maybe it's just because God wants you to know him. Maybe God just wants you to know him, to know him better, to know him at the next level. And you do know when you strive for the next level, you got to look out for the next devil. And then, come on now, the next devil, he'll show up at that next level. But we can still stand on the promise that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And maybe I just need to find out more about him. Do you really know God? not an intellectual ascent to knowledge, not the historical figure of Jesus of Nazareth, but do you know him as Jesus Christ? Do you know him as Savior and Lord, your personal Lord and Savior? I wanna give you an opportunity today to make that decision. Because I promise you, if you know the Lord as your Savior, uh, he'll change you not just internally, but eternally. He'll change you in time and in eternity. There's a QR code on the screen, and I would love for you to scan that QR code if you want to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life or go to the link that says, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord. And if you are a believer and you want to unite with our church, uh, we extend an opportunity for you to do that as well. You say, I want to be a member of the church. 
and we would love to welcome you. We still have people who are joining every month via the World Wide Web and, and we're preparing now and getting ready to launch our Discipleship On Demand. Really excited to give you an opportunity uh, to see your growth facilitated on the digital platform. So for those of you who may never get to Good Hope in person, uh, we want you to experience hope in your home. And that's really what this is all about, right? And we wanna thank you for giving us an opportunity to send hope to you wherever you are. Now, if you'd like to worship the Lord in giving and be part of our kingdom building program uh, here at the Good Hope Church, uh, there are six different ways that you can worship the Lord online here at our church. And we would love for you to do that. Of course, if you'd like to mail an offering, you can do that as well. Uh, but we want to make it as convenient and as easy for you to worship the Lord in giving with us. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And we want to uh, encourage you, if you love the ministry of this church and you love the preaching and teaching of the word and what God has done in your life and is doing in your life as a result of this ministry, uh, we would love for your support. But remember, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So don't give grudgingly. Uh, don't give out of necessity. Don't give out of guilt. Uh, give because God is leading you to give because the spirit of God is moving on your heart to give. And I say, don't give until it hurts. Give until it feels good. Give until you know that you are obeying God and you're walking with God. Now, for those of you who are watching in the U.S., uh, we are in our voting season. Uh, we practice a democracy here. And, um, you know, regardless of whatever party affiliation uh, you claim, if you're a Democrat, Republican, or independent, um, I want to encourage you to get out and exercise your right to vote. Um, we have millions of people who are registered to vote who never go to vote. And I want to tell you something. This is factual. Uh, we had an election here for a state representative that was decided by less than 10 votes. Less than 10 votes decided who won and who lost that election. Uh, we had another election that less than 100 people decided the outcome of that election. And why am I saying that? Because many times when we think about our vote, we think about one vote and we don't think our vote will really matter. But it really does. So I want to encourage you to get out and vote. This midterm election is an important election. Uh, here in the state of Texas, we are voting for a governor as well as uh, down ballot races, including for judges and justices of the peace. And I want to encourage you to get out and vote. You can't complain. You have nothing to say about who's in office if you don't exercise the right that you have and make your voice heard by voting. So make sure you get out and vote. We wanna thank Dr. Annie Johnson Benefield who is president of the League of Women Voters, Houston. She's the first African-American to be president of the League of Women Voters in its 102 year history here in Houston. And she is a member of our church and we're thankful to her for the work that she and the League of Women Voters does 
in producing their voting guide. They're a nonpartisan group. Um, they simply ask candidates for their positions. Some submit their positions, some don't. Uh, some don't believe they need to tell you what their positions are uh, because they don't feel that they're accountable to people in that way. Um, they feel like they have the money and they feel like they have the vote, so they may not need your vote. Um, but that being said, listen, go to LWV Houston, League of Women Voters Houston, and you can find the voting guide there and inform yourself. We're in the early voting season right now. So you can go vote and you can vote anywhere, not just today, but on election day as well. So let's get out and vote. Let's make it happen. All right. Thank you for being with us. Last but not least, God is doing something wonderful in you. He's doing something wonderful in me. Sometimes it can be painful, but on the other side of that pain, on the other side of those problems, it's always profitable. And remember, it's always about God. It's never about us. And when the enemy causes us to make it about us, then it stops being about God. But it's really all about God. Until next time, God bless is my prayer.